Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Leading Edge Discovery Podcast, where host and astronaut Charlie Camarda and his intriguing variety of guests share their visions for transforming the way we work, learn, and solve some of the most daunting challenges on Earth and throughout the solar system. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Okay, hello. This my name is Charlie Kumar. I was an astronaut on Space Shuttle Discovery flight STS-114, the return to flight following the Columbia accident. I'm going to be host for you on Leading Edge Discovery podcast series, where we are going to be talking with experts from around the world on the importance of science, technology, and research. First mm. season of episodes stress aerospace and research um, and what we do into solving complex problems on aerospace systems. We focused on the technical and what I'd like to do now is really segue to the real important causes of these accidents, which is are the social and behavioral causes of these accidents. I am honored to have as my guest today, a world-renowned expert in the field of organizational behavior and teaming. Uh, and team performance. Dr. Amy Edmondson is the Novartis Professor of Leadership and Management at Harvard University. She is the author of over 75 articles, seven books on psychological safety. She's world-renowned for her work in psychological safety. Some of her recent books are The Fearless Organization, Creating Psychological Safety in the Workplace for Learning, and innovation and growth and the right kind of wrong her most recent book this about the science of feeling well amy i want to um welcome you to the program i'm so thankful for you being able to do this i know you're very busy <laughs> and thank you and i want you to go ahead and tell <laughs> us about your journey how you came okay. to do yeah. what you do oh boy <laughs> and you've done so much. I know it's well, going to be difficult. No, 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 not not at all. Thank you, Charlie. Look, I mean, speaking of someone who's done so much, it's uh, my my admiration uh, and and awe are 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 fully activated by your journey. Um, so my 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 journey was circuitous, but without going into too much detail, in my late twenties, I got interested in the idea of the learning organization. I was working as a, um, as a sort of consultant in the field of organizational development. This was after a, um, a stint as an engineer, a structural engineer. Anyway. A stint, a stint as an engineer where you were chief engineer to? Buckminster Fuller, who was, of course, wonderful. You know, and that is important, Charlie, because he was such a such an inspiring energetic, curious, inventive person. I mean, I was I was really moved by by him and his ideas. And, and quite quite a first uh stint, right? Yes. And yes. I, I think I think what makes you so interesting, yeah. Amy, is that you had that engineering background and then you segued into where your yeah. passion Yeah. I mean, I think it's true. It's partly my, I mean, it's mostly that my passion, I discovered my passion was related to people and how we interrelate in complex organizations 
you know, to do really sometimes amazing things like send a shuttle into space. But and that's just a, an enormously complex collaborative activity and it's hard. Right? So I got more I I realized I was more interested in and probably better equipped to contribute to issues around human behavior than the technical details of of such enterprises. And 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 you know Bucky Fuller did play an important role in my thinking for sure. And of course as 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 um smart and you know technically impressive as he was he had a larger vision, which was how do we work together to make this world work for everyone? Um, aspirational, to be sure. But he spoiled me. He really spoiled me. You know, he made me think that work could be kind of noble and inclusive and 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 exciting. And it certainly was working for him. Uh, but then, you know, life goes on. He died. I wrote a book about his work, uh, and that experience led me to meet a wonderful visionary thinker in the realm of management and organizations named Larry Wilson. And this was the, this was the, the mid to late eighties. And I worked with Larry for uh, several years and ultimately was doing lots of work in big organizations that were trying to transform their cultures to be more collaborative, more innovative and so forth. And it didn't take me too long to realize that my, training was inadequate. I did not have a background in business or psychology or any of the rest. And I did have a passion for these topics. So it occurred to me a decade after graduating from college that it was um, perhaps a good idea to pursue a graduate degree. I had no idea what I was in for, mind you. This is pre-internet. So there really wasn't an easy way to learn what doing a PhD was all about. But but lo and behold, I found myself uh, back in a PhD program, and as I said earlier, I was truly motivated by the idea that organizations must learn in a world that keeps changing, and the teams that are in them must learn, and that's not a given. It's it's um, in fact, there's all sorts of factors that make it hard to learn. I mean, of course, one is the technical complexity of of the world around us and the technologies we use. But another, and the one that I began to narrow in on, was the interpersonal challenges of, of speaking up, especially speaking up with mistakes, speaking up when we aren't sure whether something is right or not. And, and can I just say so when my boss or my boss's boss are in the room? Most of the time, people will internally, maybe not even explicitly, but they will internally conclude no, I can't, right? That's just not possible. That's just not done. And what I have since called a psychologically safe environment is one in which you, I'm not saying it's easy, but you absolutely are confident that it is done, right? That, that this is what we do around here um, because of what's at stake, right? We speak up even if we're not sure. We just do that, right? So so my journey was circuitous. Um, my passion was developed relatively late, at least in career terms, uh, but it has remained undiminished over the last 30 years or so in this field. We're we're so much alike. And and the difference, the difference is I spent my time and my PhD on the engineering side, on the technical side, and I dove into the social, psychological, behavioral side after the Columbia accident. Wow. And so I read 
all of your papers, um, or, or I think I don't think I read all seventy-five. Uh, you, nor, nor should you. But your, um, your, I don't know if this was your first paper: psychological safety and learning behavior in work teams. It was and my second. Is, it was your second. Well, and, technically and, third, but the second, the second in this in this vein. And this is where you really hit upon this psychological safety. And I know we talked about this before, and you said it didn't become famous until Amy Rozovsky at Google all of a sudden tried to figure out which teams were doing was successful. And she said she had to do it through this lens of psychological. She couldn't, you know, and imagine a data scientist at Google not being able to do this. And when she looked at it through the lens of psychological safety, she realized that this was, and she used the term, I think, underpinning, that this was the most crucial thing for a learning organization um, and, and yes. successful teams. Julia. Yeah, Julia. Not Amy, Julia. I, yeah, you said. Oh, God. I, I was, yeah. Okay, no, Julia, Julia was Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she, she basically, when she put this variable in the model, it, it, it explained more variance in team performance than any other. So that got her interest. And and I think her way of explaining it, which is now my way of explaining it, is it's it's not a driver of effectiveness. It's the underpinning, right? It's the it's the substrate that allows you to do the things you need to do interpersonally, especially for great teams. And, you know, I would love to get with Amy. Julia, Julia, yeah. Julia and Amy to figure out what algorithms could you use to identify and look at this this behavior and through this other lens to, so that we we can identify that. But the other thing that's that's great is is your eureka moment during your PhD dissertation where you were studying medical teams. Medical errors, yes, yeah. Medical so I, errors. Yeah, I was studying too, and again, part of my overarching interest in organizational learning um, brought along with it an interest in error, because mistakes are, of course, one of the things that we must learn from in organizations, and we can't pretend they don't happen. They do, and and so when I was invited to join a larger team of medical researchers studying medical error in hospitals. And this is in the early 90s when this is a very new field of, of research. Um, my small part in this larger study was to assess using a validated team survey instrument, the teamwork levels and capabilities of these teams to see whether better teams made fewer adverse events, fewer drug errors. Drug, and, and given the degree, the 24-7 operations, the degree of co collaboration and coordination that is needed to deliver safe, high-quality care, it seemed like a pretty good prediction to me. Um, and, 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 uh, and then, unfortunately, the data, when I got them from the medical investigators, I had the data from the team survey, but they then gave to me their collected data on error rates, which were collected uh, by, you know, going around and talking to people, frankly. Um, the correlation between teamwork and error rates was exactly the opposite of what I had predicted. My data were suggesting that better teams had higher, not lower error rates. Now, that was terrifying, confusing, 
problematic? Better teams had lower. You, you, no, no, no. Better teams had higher error rates. Right. But your right. hypothesis was... My hypothesis better. was the opposite. So it was just dead wrong. I was dead wrong. I had failed. Um, but but um, the eureka moment was a couple hours later when I thought, well, wait a minute. You know, this doesn't make much sense to me, but maybe, maybe better teams don't make more mistakes, you know, produce more mistakes. Maybe they're more willing to report them, right? That... That if you think about this kind of work, um, unless a mistake is really catastrophic, it's pretty easy to hide them or just not talk so much about them. You know, figure out, you know, make sure the patients are okay, but not report. So I was beginning to think coming, you know, maybe these better teams were just more comfortable talking about reality, frankly, because this is complex, error-prone work. Were they willing to say so and and that was those were the seeds of psychological safety right there probably and and think about this if the outcome was more severe more critical lives were lost you're probably more prone to hide your mistakes well, yeah no it's true but it's hard to hide you can't hide a death um uh, in in a hospital right oh, right, right 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 but the but the, and uh, yeah but those are you know those are rare i mean you we all die, but but the, but they aren't the the normal outcome of a patient's stay. But the thing I want to say, and this is what I think distinguishes a researcher and that research exploratory mindset that you talk about in your book, yeah. is that you were a researcher, Amy. Something didn't sit well with you, and right. you kept digging. You kept digging deeper. That stop challenge. Yes. Uh, you know, choose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you're right, and it's. You know, maybe we should, you know, sometimes you're right, because sometimes researchers, sometimes it's seen as provers of ideas rather than as explorers of the unknown. And and I was trying, of course, I had an idea. The idea didn't get supported. So then the next thing you must do is say, well, what's going on instead? The easy, the easy road would, you have, would, would have been, I'm going to try to prove why this data matches and, and right. come up with, come right, up with but, some weird explanation. Yeah. Because maybe the good teams are just sort of lucky, you know, maybe they are sloppy. But but uh, it was yeah. your gut feel yeah. that there was something wrong there. There's and, something and else. What, yep. 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 And that was that eureka moment. And look at what this has become. Psychological safety People are talking about it all over the place. Uh, your book, The Fearless Organization, is tremendous yeah, success. Yeah, I wish people would read the book because, um, unfortunately, a lot of that talk out there is not grounded in the actual um, research or the things I've said. You know, hey. people are using the term to mean being nice, being comfortable. That's right, and um, and this goes this goes together with. Attribution. Did Amy Rozovsky ever reference your work? Because it's clearly lifted from from this paper. Well, it was on and, on purpose, right? I mean, it, she's yeah. she's not um, she's not hiding that she's uh, no. celebrating it because she went to the academic literature to try to understand what do we know about teams and found my variable and used it, which is what one does. She was a, you know, very smart, right. uh, thoughtful person. But, right. And, but, uh, and it was a good, it was a good predictor. But academicians would have attributed yeah. where, the, where the idea came from. Well, she, but, well, I think she does, or at least in, uh, does? Okay. in the um, Charles Duhigg's um, 
Okay. okay. Article. Good, good for, says, good yeah, for they, Julia. She went to the good. literature. Anyway, so yeah, now she's, she's, you know, she's, she's a very, very thoughtful person. Yeah. And, and, and so this is amazing. So now everybody is getting it, but they need to read your book to truly understand it because um, it's very subtle, you know, and people think it's very easy to fix. Yeah. But yeah, apparent, yeah. But apparently it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I mean, I, I, it's because it's, it goes against so much of human nature and particularly human nature in a hierarchy you know we we have programming that leads us to want to look good and it will always be easier to hold back than to lean in right if, if, I, if I i you know there's the old saying you know um um stay silent and be thought a fool or speak up and and you know be be known a fool uh you know we we, we have lots of messaging that says if you're not sure wait and see, you know, let, let your elders or let your seniors um, speak. But the person who's closest to the problem or the most recent graduate from engineering school may be the one with the brilliant insight. And so you need to, you need to create, you need to very proactively create an environment where that is um, seen to be true. And, and you also talk about leadership in, in your book and how this is something that really you need very strong leadership and leading by example to show that your you your money you're putting your money where your mouth is yes this is yes. this is valuable and this is why and yes. and so you talk about rewarding failure and heroic failures yeah. and um and that's critical right 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 i mean you you want to so leadership i mean i think leaders fundamentally have three tools to influence the behaviors of others. And, and one is how they show up, as you said, the, the being a role model, um, expressing curiosity, expressing you know, the, 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 the fact that you don't know everything. Um, we don't know what's going to happen here. This is new territory. And also the, the, uh, the messaging, um, you know, the, the values that you choose to emphasize. Uh, and then finally, the, the, your responses, your responses. If someone speaks up and disagrees with you, are you appreciative or are you annoyed? You you better be appreciative. Um, and, and, and so you're trying to create, really the simplest way to put it is you're trying to create a learning environment because you are dependent on a learning environment for long-term success. And, and really that's how Julia came upon this psychological safety. I believe I remember reading that she had some negative experiences in study groups, right? Oh, and, yes, and, and then, that's right. Right? And then yep, she yep. said when she went to another university and she had a study group, it was oh, yeah. so much so different because she was she was allowed to not to look the fool, you know, right. that she could right. ask questions and she wasn't looked down upon if the questions were <laughs> Right, 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 right. Or as Please. smart. And, and so that's very interesting. But they all go hand in hand. Um, Amy, you know, you, you work in, in psychological safety, then failure. And of course, it all is wrapped up in how teams perform and the successful teams. Right. And so your second book was on failure. And I, I love I love that book, too. <laughs> the right kind of wrong. And you talk a little bit about, you know, how, what is the right kind of wrong? And you talk about three different types of failures. You want right. to 
talk a little sure, bit. Sure. And, and you know, I'm going to start, I don't usually, but I'll start right in the middle with the complex failures because we started with your your interest started with the Columbia, <laughs> the Columbia shuttle accident. And that is a quintessential complex failure. Um, it is a failure. A complex failure is a failure with with multiple contributing factors, not a single simple cause or mistake. You know, it's not that somebody just went in and did something wrong and that caused a failure. That happens, right? I can give you countless examples. I call that a basic failure, which is caused mm -hmm. by one thing, um, generally in familiar territory, and that one thing is technically a mistake. But a complex failure is one that any one of the contributing factors on its own would not have led to this terrible outcome. It, it they had to come together in the kind of perfect storm, um, you know. So with Columbia, we had recurring issues of of foam shedding from the solid from the from the uh, solid rocket booster and and occasionally leaving maintenance problems on the shuttle. But but you know they were considered and generally were small. You know, over to you. That, that was the perfect storm. I mean, because yeah. remember, on that mission, they did not go to space station. They had right. taken off the robotic arm, so there was no uh, way of inspecting. Yeah, right. Yep. That was the small things. Lots of small perfect things. Storm that right. Swiss cheese model where all the holes lined up. Um, but then it, it was ambiguous. But this right. is where I think I differ a little bit because maybe there be, should be a third column in that we had knowledge. I mean, I think the people right. on the ground should have known that this was a serious problem and 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 not ambiguous as as you're, you well that's that's absolutely. But that's where the cultural bit um, becomes a contributing factor because the culture was one of uh, you know you you need if you're going to speak up you need the data. And that's a catch twenty two in this instance because you know and 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 the oh. data that could have been called for the imagery would have would have made it unambiguous for sure. Yes, and the fact and really the fact that they did not know and it was so such a they should have and this is where I disagree with Diane Vaughn who would never. Point on, fingers yeah, at on, anyone. On yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe, I believe, and, and so the response was different. I believe you, you can't point fingers on some of these, but I think the response was different when you when you talk about Gene Kranz and Apollo 13. There you had it was clear. was yep. clear there was a problem. You had definite action. Yes, yes. And, and, then, and so. I, yeah, and I talk about that a lot, right? I mean, that's when something is clear cut, then it's a crisis. And we have a different response as humans <laughs> in crisis than in ah yeah there you go. That so book, have a chapter your work on yeah. your work on the recovery, right? The, the recovery, recovery window, window, which is the a concept, window. right? You know, it's not it's not it's there a priori, but you have to recognize it to take advantage of it. So yeah, so. Yep. We had plenty of time, but the beauty of, and that's an amazing book, Organization at the Limit, and your paper with um, Mike Roberto, with Michael Roberto yeah. uh, was extremely important. And everyone at NASA should read that paper because huh. at the end of that paper, you talk about how do you fix this problem? How do you fix yeah. this problem? Instead of going to a confirmatory response, you go to the exploratory response. Yes, yes, yes.
And that, of course, that takes us to intelligent failures because intelligent failures are those that happen, you know, when we are explicitly exploring, like we know that we don't know everything. And so we are thoughtfully experimenting. And and by by thoughtfully, I mean, we know we're in new territory. It's in pursuit of a goal. We've done our homework enough to know that this might have a plausible way of of, of working out. Um, and it's as small as possible. Right? We have not taken undue risk with human life or our budgets um, or our reputation. Um, and nonetheless, we have a failure. That's an intelligent failure. And the exploratory response that you were recommending in that paper, you and Michael Roberto, and I think there was one other author, yep. exaggerate the threat. Direct right. the team right. to problem solving. Right. Right. Acting rather than waiting. Yep, yep. And and I won't say, I'm going to just push back on exaggerate because we, we use the word amplify, which sounds like exaggerate, but technically it's not exaggerating it. It's giving it a voice, right? Here's the microphone just so we can listen to it long enough to decide how bad it is. That's that's a very that's a very good point. That's a very good point, Amy. I think it might say exaggerate in that particular paper, but I think the word you want to use yeah, is amplify. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. In our in, in right after that, in a paper that's much easier for everyone to find because it's not in a book, it's Harvard Business Review. We cut we we developed a, you know, and much shorter too, um, and not as good, I would argue, but still good enough, called uh, facing ambiguous threats, right? And we'd argue that this is just organizationally a very hard thing because when it's ambiguous you get that wait and see automatic response and you need to instead you know dig in and explore and, and the natural i think uh, michael roberto and you say yeah. it in the paper the natural response the cognitive bias when facing ambiguous threats is to under underplay, underplay. exactly to downplay them because you are you know it's probably okay right yeah we have these kinds of almost rituals of reassurance that were definitely present in in, in the columbia management team discussions you know that we've seen this before right 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 you know these rituals of reassurance are at odds with learning now i do have to and so you really have to retrain <laughs> yeah yeah, you do. You have to retrain your brain. You have to retrain your team, and you have to sort of alter your organization's culture. And and so, and so that's the, like the second half of your book is how do you how do you how do, do you do this? that? What are the how competencies? Do you do because it, and, yeah, and I'll say this briefly, and then I have unfortunately another meeting I need to go to. Um, but the and we I we, I talk about in the, the competencies as self awareness and that of course is a crucial aspect of leadership but it's an important competency for all of us because it allows us to deliberately shift from knowing to learning right to deliberately deliberately re engage our curiosity and situation awareness which is about what kind of context is this is this a Life or death, dangerous place. If so, let's be vigilant, right? Or is this a playroom where we can have some fun and stakes are low? Uh, and and then um, thirdly, system awareness. Can we be a little more thoughtful about how the different parts of the system interrelate and could give rise to um, un, undesired problems? Amy, you're very busy. You have to go. But this is something I would love to have you back to talk about how do we fix these problems? Sure. Because, you know, the organizations that try to change their culture, NASA, Boeing, and many in the medical field also, 
Yes. 80% fail. Huh. So how do we do this? 80% right. try to change their culture because culture isn't easy to do. Yeah. Changing it, you changing bet. culture is not easy to do. Oh. Amy, thank you so much. I could talk to you for A hours pleasure. Hours. Likewise. If Likewise. we can get you back. Okay, we'll, we'll do, do it. Sorry to cut it short. And uh, That's okay. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. <laughs> Happy New Year, Amy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leading Edge Discovery Podcast with Charlie Camarda, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this channel and ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. Thank you.